listening. You're listening to The Record Podcast. The voice of the Archdiocese of Perth. Hello and welcome to The Record. I'm Jamie O'Brien. Today we are speaking with Nonamara Prishna, Philip Lako, who has recently authored his first book entitled Ten-Year-Old Man, which tells about his life as a child soldier in Sudan. Philip, thank you for joining with us today. It's a pleasure, James. Philip, so you've recently authored this book. Tell me about yourself, where you come from, and what led you to be here in Perth. Uh, first of all, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, wherever you are. I came from South Sudan, uh, arrived in Australia in 2004. I was born in a little village in South Sudan called uh, Kirichomba. So what led you to be here in Perth? I was brought here by the United Nations High Commissioner for Refugees, that's United, uh, UNHCR, as a migrant. So I didn't really choose to come to Perth. I was brought here because I was a refugee after leaving my country, fearing um, persecution from the government of Sudan then. And did you arrive with your family? Were you supported by anybody that you knew at the time? No, I, I arrived by myself. Uh, as a matter of fact, I didn't have anybody that I knew. But but obviously, after arriving in Australia, the, the, the system here is quite supportive of new arrived migrants. Some of them are obviously religious-based, including crisis care, which was an organization led by the Catholic Church. So we're very close to, uh, very close to the Catholic um, uh, denomination. So they, they did help a bit uh, in that sense. And so you've inserted yourself into life here in Perth and in the Catholic community at Nolamara. Tell me what that's like and, and, and what you do there. I'm a... Uh, active participant in the choir group. So we have African choir group and obviously also a joint choir where once a month we sing. Obviously we we, we brought in a lot of African way of singing and occasionally we participate in the diocese and we, we, we see it as another way to give to the society that has taken, uh, you know, taken care of us. Um, so Australia being one of the countries that have helped so many refugees. So one way we see ourselves contributing is through participating in events that are related to church or even other uh, volunteering activities within, within the, the, the state. And you're now married with uh, children? Yes, I am married. My wife is Lucia. She's also from South Sudan. We've got four children, uh, Emmanuel, Teresa, Bori. Uh, we call Bori, which is uh, this first um, daughter uh, in the birth sequence. We have Lado. And the little one's called Jande. So Bori actually is Teresa. Um, so we've got Emmanuel, Teresa, Lado, and Jande. So four and, and what do you do uh, in your day-to-day life? I, you're, you're working and you're also involved in some of the Catholic organisations with public speaking. Can you tell us a bit more about that? Yeah, so I work for a mining company. Um, as a matter of fact, I, since I came to Australia, I, I, I knew one way I can give back is through working so that I can pay taxes to the government that has helped me to get here and obviously through volunteering. So I do a lot of volunteering with Bonistan Rotary International. I'm a member of Rotary and also I do a bit of help always volunteered with St. Vincent de Paul, which is a Catholic-based organization in our Paris. And also within the Rotary, we have homelessness project that I'm part of. So my work, I work in the mining industry as a safety advisor, um, and mm-hmm. that's my job. So I fly in, fly out. So you've recently just written a book. Can you tell us what uh, what is this book about? So this book really is about my life, and it captures the lifestyle of a child growing up in a very tiny village where it's not even connected to any part of the world. We didn't even know that there were other human beings existing until really until I was removed from that village. So so it also the book also captures about 
uh, cultural practices of my tribe, the Mundari people. So the Mundari people of South Sudan, uh, South Sudan has 64 tribes, and one of those tribes is the Mundari people. So we have been excluded from so many things um, underdeveloped, and, but we are very self-sustaining. We, we do have a lot of practices that keep us going. And then from there, I was obviously taken by the rebels. Uh, the intent was to go and and get me education so that I can, I can become a better person and maybe bring development to our, our village. But it actually turned out that it was a ploy uh, for people like us to be taken from parents and then they were actually trained to become army uh, and, and fight. So my book really is, is more or less about, I mean, telling the world that, in fact, there are other sections of the world where life is not fair. And sometimes some of those challenges are, are brought in not necessarily by the people themselves, but rather by other factors. Uh, in this case, this was the government, um, and the rebels that had their own intent, but the, the level of suffering we endured was unimaginable. So most of us, um, we, we ate um, once a day, uh, or every second day, we sometimes don't have enough food. Another thing also, we didn't have anything to sleep on. Um, even now, sleep of, sleeping is, is one thing that we've been deprived of. So I think in average, we sleep four hours for the 10 years that we were together with the rebels. The food was, sometimes we eat uh, leaves or grass, pretty much roots. Is that from four the, hours a day? You, you, four hours a day you slept? In average, yes, averaging four hours um, wow. every night, every night, because it was, it, in fact, it was actually detrimental. If you overslept, you get beaten to a point where, so what, one way we train ourselves was to, you go to bed at 11 and then wake up at three every night. Uh, and otherwise, if you, if you overslept, yeah, they come in and, and beat, start beating people and, and all that. So How do you sleep what, now? I still struggle, to be honest. I, I must say that occasionally if I overslept, sometimes I wake up crying, thinking that I've been beaten. But um, mm. another thing also was just a lot of bombardment from aerial aerial planes, you know, aerial bombardments. So they drop bombs on us, we have to hide. So the first time I was in a refugee camp, so the other part of the book, obviously, is also talk about my life in a refugee camp and how I escaped. Um, there's a lot of process that people go through. To become a refugee, obviously you have to go through a border and at the border you are, you are, you are classified as um, um, asylum seeker. And then your case is seen by the United Nations High Commissioner for Refugees. This is the, the UN nation, the UN agency that deals with refugees only. And, and then from there, they determine your refugee status. Once that is done, then they give you a card, and that card has a number, about eight digits. And that is your license, that's everything. Um, you get food from that. So you're given, the refugee camp, you're given about three kilograms of maize, and you that is supposed to last you up to two weeks. There's nothing else you can't eat. So you've got to learn how to sort of harness the little, little food that you have. So best way we, we, we learned was to combine your food with other people and then maybe eat every second day, and that would keep you going. And then also, Obviously, coming to Australia it was another thing. It changed everything. So thing about life is that you're growing up as a lovely, happy young person. And then as you grow up, you begin to realize that you are not only for that village. Your, your contribution actually is wider and you, you can actually contribute to the world at a greater extent. So when I came to refugee camp, I actually thought it was possible again to, to, to give back, you know, to, to this, to this, because we had a guy this person is actually a doctor from France. His name is Dr. Ostrowiski. That was the only person. And then there was also a Catholic religious organization called 
Catholic Relief Services, CRS. Mm -hmm. These two organizations, and in fact, there was a Catholic priest called Father Gary uh, at that time. These, these two events, like the, the priest and the doctor and the, this organization, gave me a lot of hope. And in mm -hmm. fact, but at the same time, made me question myself, like, why would these people whose culture is not similar to ours would actually risk their lives to go to that extent to help other beings like us? So that gave me a bit of hope, thinking that mm -hmm. maybe I could also give back. And when I came to the refugee camp, I realized that, yeah, it is possible because by then we were not worried anymore about being taken away, you know, to go and fight and all that. But then you realize that as a refugee person, you don't have much to say about what you do and what you don't do. It's your mm -hmm. life is controlled. You can't go mm -hmm. anywhere else. So coming to Australia then made me actually believe that it is possible. So I, I saw the opportunity and I felt like the dignity and the, the respect, the human worth that I lost, I actually I begin to feel like I'm gaining it back. And, and I think this book is promised about the journey itself. What has that suffering that you experienced taught you now? And how does that affect your life today? How do you live that? I think one thing that I'll gain out of, out of all this experience is that there's no situation that is permanent. So in other words, and, and also you got to trust in God and allow other forces to take control of your destiny because sometimes you don't realize how much people are willing to help until you begin to actually feel that they support. So the book or the journey itself has given me real appreciation uh, of being humble and kind to other people and, mm -hmm. and, and really be trustful because I know, I really know, not every single person has bad intent uh, to make other people suffer. In fact, mm -hmm. within even those army, there were a few people that were really kind and actually mm -hmm. like, so in other words, so in every situation, there is definitely a hope and we just and I, I felt like um with that persistence and also praying hard that i was able to know that nothing is definitely so they so in other words no one is condemned for eternity mm. so nothing is permanent so in other words suffering is there there's no doubt about it but allow yourself to go through that journey and 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 hoping that at the other end thing will get better and when when you rescue yourself or when you have actually failed so for me i felt like I've gone through that now. It's my turn to sort of give back to help other people that have actually, because if it wasn't because of generosity or other people, I don't think I would have actually made it this far. As a matter mm. of fact, I didn't have anything. I didn't have self-esteem. I didn't even have self-worth at all, mm. nothing. So yeah, I felt like it's it's an honor. And as mm. a matter of fact, to, to be able to, to be in a situation like in a country like Australia, to be able to actually have a story like mine you know, able to write it and, and share it with my people, hopefully be able to, to inspire uh, inspire other people to, to see themselves um, um, that life definitely um, can change lives. I mean, life can definitely change people, can also, but mm -hmm. also at the same time can also empower people to become great. So what experience really challenged you, in, um, you know, led you to write uh, to write this book, you know, what was the moment that you decided to make this dream a reality? So in 2018, I was asked to speak at a Rotary event. It was actually February 8th, I think, 2018 here in Perth, uh, Western Australia. And in that, people begin to realize that, man, I think they actually talked to me, Philip, you need to write a book, Philip, you need to write a book. And then I realized that I didn't have the ability. Obviously, there's a lot of uh, resources required and I, English is my second language so I didn't believe I could write it so 
I was connected to an author. Really, I think one thing that led me to write that book is, is I knew, I have known in Australia, I've seen it for a very long time now, particularly in developed countries, where there is so much enormous resources available, but if particularly young people who still complain about everything in life, okay? So I felt like maybe this is the only contribution I can give and maybe inspire one person, you know, one person in their life to be able to appreciate the little thing that they have in life by comparing what I've gone through and what they're going through now. So I, felt, I definitely, I felt like this is, this is, this is probably the best gift or the best contribution I can actually give to the nation of Australia and in fact developed countries because if it wasn't because of UN and an organization like the CRS and, and, and like for instance, Dr. Ostrowski, in fact, the company was called ADE, it's a French company, mm -hmm. Uh, but the doctor actually originally, I think, migrated. He was a migrant himself, like from from Poland. I think he migrated to France when he was young, and and I think so. Putting all this together, and said, I think it's if one person can do that kind of thing, I think I also believe there is something also I can I can actually put in uh, in writing, and hopefully people benefit from it. And another thing also is that my tribe, tribe of Mundari, my sister, my sister, uh, her name is Kiden. So he died in 2010 giving birth. And, and that was simply because we didn't have any midwifery services in the area where I come from. So mm -hmm. it's also, I hope that also this book would highlight the fact that there are other parts of the world that are really going through hardship. And maybe those organizations, and even in fact, if I have the ability to, um, so by the way, one thing also about the book is that for every book that is sold, 10% support, 10% is going to be donated to Rotary International to support projects that are humanity-based. So mm -hmm. that I see that also as a as a contribution. And and then and in fact, in fact, um, so for the people that I've been talking with, um, most of them really realize that the book definitely is going to help, particularly young people uh, in schools and people that are actually finding life, you know, people that are going through a lot of despair, you know. This book kind of brings a bit of hope and give them a bit of, you know, faith and allow themselves to sort of go through this process. So that that mm -hmm. is one of the one of the reason why I thought the book is is worth um, writing. What are your hopes then for the future for for yourself, for your family, and and why? Yeah. So my hope uh, for the future um, is to be able to be able to get to a point where helping another person should not be determined by how much money I have or how much influence I have in the society. So for instance, I, I like I talked about homelessness in WA, for instance, uh, we have about 10,000 people that are homeless. Uh, my hope is to, 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 in, to ensure that people are treated with courtesy, respect, and, and also allow government, you know, key decision makers to be able to see people not necessarily about what they do, but rather see people as humanity. Like homelessness is not a, a disease. You know, homelessness is a situation that people can go through and get get better. I do talk to homeless people quite a lot. One person mm. said to me that the reason why he is homeless, 36 years, years old, uh, accountant, he speaks French, really well educated, but he said he made a mistake in his life and he's not paying for it. And no one, no society, no member of society is, is actually willing to listen to him, to give him another chance. So my hope for the future is to sort of allow my family, obviously, uh, my wife and my kids to be able to live comfortably. And also I want to help a community also in Ghana, 
2019, I went to Ghana uh, to visit a colleague and the village had a school, but the school was about three hours on foot. So people chose to, to, to not go to school. So my intent is to maybe buy a bicycle, enough bicycle to support this village so that they can actually send their kids to the school and hopefully, so that's the plan. And also in the long future, uh, in the long term, I really hope that um, I could establish uh, education, uh, but mainly my, uh, with my um, like um, maternity uh, services in the area, like many the, the main town uh, is called Terkeka, where uh, the Mundari people come from. So I intend to, my intent is to actually have a maternity there to be able, because now there's so many um, issues, uh, women dying, giving birth. Mm -hmm. So it's yeah. my hope one day to be able to have a center like that so that women, you know, should not die and even their babies dying when, when they're giving birth. Mm -hmm. and, and secondly, also, uh, thirdly, to be able to sort of support Rotary International uh, even uh, other religious organizations that are doing humanity work in any other way um, to, to make sure that you know they continue to do this continue to do this great work that they do as supporting other human beings uh, across the world. So Philip, tell us where our readers can purchase your book. So the book is published uh, uh, in Amazon, so amazon.com.au or Amazon Australia, Amazon Canada, uh, okay. Amazon pretty much yeah. So it's it's published worldwide. Uh, but it's also available on good good read. So the publisher is called Tellwell. Tellwell, uh -huh. Tellwell um, Publishing uh, is based in Victoria, Canada. Uh -huh. For people that are from Canada listening, yes, yeah, so Victoria, obviously, I think the western part of Canada near, I think British Columbia. So that that is near Vancouver there, about two hours, uh -huh. I think. Yep. And but yeah, the book is definitely available for people who are in Perth. I intend to do printing locally, uh, hopefully uh -huh. in the next month. And people want to get hard copies here in Perth can actually buy directly from me. I also okay. have a web. I also have a website, uh, philiplaco.com. Uh -huh. uh, that that website is also can take you to the book, and you can even read more briefly about my public engagement here in Western Australia, and and hopefully you can support uh, in that way. Okay, great. Thank you very much for your time today, Philip, and all the best for the future. It's a pleasure, Jamie. Thank you, everyone, for for taking the time to listen to me. God bless. Yeah.